Welcome to this week's episode of BusinessWise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding, learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian philosopher and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. Let me give you a word of advice from L. Ron Hubbard. Possibly the soundest advice you will ever receive. In a landmark article written by Mr. Hubbard on the 7th of February, 1965, an article so popular that many of the listeners will recognize this quotation when I give it pretty much instantly, he stated, quote, The finest organizations in history have been tough, dedicated organizations. Not one namby-pamby bunch of panty-waist dilettantes have ever made anything. It's a tough universe. The social veneer makes it seem mild. But only the tigers survive, and even they have a hard time. I'll run Hubbard. A powerful statement, and observably true. If you intend to make something, especially something meaningful, in this world, be prepared to toughen up or you won't make it. But let me caution you about something. In my experience, the concept of toughness is probably one of the most misunderstood concepts in management. And so if you have resolved just now to, quote, get tough, end quote, on people, and if you're patting yourself on the back as you have just been validated for being a real, Son of a biscuit. Tough guy. (laughs) Let's just make sure we understand our terms. First of all, let's look at the terms Mr. Hubbard is choosing here to express the opposite of tough, the opposite of tiger. Namby-pamby. It means lacking vigor or decisiveness, weak. So you could say if you were... Uh, observing something like a, a crowd that's out of control and the cop was being rather namby-pamby about controlling it. And so it's out of control. Panty waste, well, that means weak, cowardly, timid. That term derives from a former child's undergarment called a panty waist, consisting of short pants and a shirt that buttoned together at the waist. So that's a panty waist. Now, dilettante, Uh, is defined by Mr. Hubbard, actually, quote, one who interests himself in an art or science merely as a pastime and without serious study, end quote. That's from an article, 16 May 65. It is derived uh, from the Italian word diletto, which means delight or pleasure. And in its original sense, a dilettante referred to someone who engages in an activity or pursuit purely for the enjoyment or pleasure of it, rather than as a serious or dedicated practitioner. But over time, the term has taken on a somewhat derogatory connotation, often used to describe someone who dabbles superficially in various activities or subjects without acquiring deep knowledge or expertise. So if you take a namby-pamby, panty-waist, dilettante approach to the Hubbard management system, you will not get the full benefit of it, that's for sure. It's true for this. It's true for riding horses. It's true for knitting sweaters. It's true for everything. Uh, But not learning sweater knitting technology may not impinge on your success that much, but if you are building an enterprise and you are not tough and dedicated to your approach to learning and applying the know-how of management, 
that sure as hell will influence your success. So now that we have cleared these terms, I'm going to repeat this datum from Mr. Hubbard. Quote, the finest organizations in history have been tough, dedicated organizations. Not one namby-pamby bunch of panty-waist dilettantes have ever made anything. It's a tough universe. A social veneer makes it seem mild, but only the tigers survive, and even they have a hard time. End quote. So you got that? Okay. So now that we have some of these other terms cleared up, let's tackle the word tough. Listen to Mr. Oxford's definitions for the word tough. These are not Mr. Hubbard's definitions, okay? Number one, of a substance or object strong enough to withstand adverse conditions or rough or careless handling. In the example they give, uh, tough backpacks for climbers. And uh, food, especially meat, difficult to cut or chew. So that's tough. Uh, number two, able to endure hardship or pain. Even at this ripe old age, he's still as tough as old boots. That's the example they give. Nice, nice term. They have some uh, nuances to this definition. Having the confidence and determination to cope in difficult situations. In the example they give, she's both sensitive and tough. That's a pretty good definition. And then here, involving considerable difficulty or hardship, requiring great determination or effort. The training has been quite tough. Okay, now here we go to definition three. Demonstrating a strict and uncompromising attitude or approach. I want you to take a note of this definition, this one and the next one. Uh, the example they give here, police have been getting tough with drivers. So there is your definition of tough. That we, A lot of us think with that, you know, I'm, I'm, I have an uncompromising attitude. I am tough, man. I am like, I'm going to get tough with people. And here's a, a example of this, he, he, another nuance to the definition, actually, used to express a lack of sympathy with someone. An example they give, I feel the way I feel, and if you don't like it, tough. So, you know, this is a pretty common concept, probably, for the word tough. Uh, let's go into definition four. Very interesting, again, of a person strong and prone to violence. Tough young teenagers. And then for an area notorious for violence and crime, a tough part of town. So you can see that tough brings along with it sort of an adversarial concept. Uh, I think you would agree with that. And uh, I don't know if this is really what Mr. Hubbard means by tough. Let's go into this a bit more. Because let's face it, a lot of these definitions communicate qualities one would normally connect with some very unpleasant people. One might ordinarily associate with a part of your anatomy that you sit on. What does it really mean to be tough? Well, before we delve into this, let me remind you that L. Ron Hubbard has every right to be considered an expert on this subject. In his college days, he was a top sergeant of the Reserve Marines and drilled battalions. He commanded subchasers in the Second World War, carried three flags for the illustrious Explorers Club. If you don't know about the Explorers Club, there are two flags on the moon, right? There's the American flag and the Explorers Club flag. And uh, as many of you know, he wrote stories on the most dangerous jobs in the world after he practiced his hand in them 
including one I happen to be familiar with, logging in the Great Northwest, where we would joke that men don't get hurt, they get killed. Timber! Never mind that he also birthed and led a movement for the uplifting of humanity into the teeth of the most vicious, vested interests on Earth. L. Ron Hubbard knew about tough. So, what are his words on this subject? Very interesting. This is from a lecture dated 3 November 1955. There's a ton of data in this lecture, but I'm going to cover this part specifically, so listen to this. Quote, Our inability to understand the actions of others has a very fascinating barrier. The limitation on our understanding is simply this. We say they have bad intentions, and that is a lie. Got it? End quote. I'm going to repeat that so you really track with this datum. He says, our inability to understand the actions of others. So let's just say you're having difficulty understanding the actions of others, right? You've got employees. You pull up an employee. We know they have bad intentions. We just know it. But they know something different. They, they don't actually have the intentions you're pinning on them. They probably just goofed. They didn't get it. Uh, but you are operating on this certainty. So, so he says here, our inability to understand the actions of others has a very fascinating barrier. The limitation on our understanding is simply this. We say they have bad intentions, and that is a lie. Got it? That's what he's saying here. So let's emphasize the word understanding. He says a limitation on our understanding. So remember that understanding, it was we've covered many, many times in, in earlier episodes Business-wise, this is an, a very important fundamental that understanding is made up of affinity, the desire to be in the same space of or liking for reality, level of agreement, and communication. These form a triangle. That equates to understanding. That's a fundamental, right? And um, so now, right here, you have two extremes of reality, don't you? You have a reality that the guy is out to do in the company or something, and the guy has a reality that he was doing his best. How is this going to go? Uh, how, okay, you can predict where this is going to go. So Mr. Hubbard says, quote, the whole situation, he goes on to say this, the whole situation is liable to interbulate around the postulated bad intention. That's what interbulates the situation. That makes a lie. So, just to remind you, interbulate means to cause to be turbulent, agitated, or disturbed. So, you have a disturbed situation. You have an upset in the company. You have an upset with this individual. The, the whole place is, is on pins and needles now because you're having this whole adversarial, tough conversation with somebody, right? And you're operating from one reality, and they're operating from another reality, and you, you stumble. He says here, quote, the situation then becomes unsolvable because we've entered a changing factor called a lie into it, end quote. You see that? Now, now you're in trouble. Because why? Because a lie has been entered into the situation. You have decided the guy has a bad intention. He doesn't have. And you know what happens to things that have lies in them? They persist. They don't go away. Mr. Hubbard discovered uh, early on, and I quote, any problem to be a problem must contain a lie, end quote. Haven't you discovered this yourself? 
Sales are down, say. It has been explained that it is mar- the marketing, so you fix the marketing, the sales stay down. And it's persisting. You're told that it's a training of the salespeople. You fix that. Problem persists. Finally, you discover salesmen are quitting because they aren't getting their promised commissions and the light bulbs go off. Go, Oh my goodness. That's one of the things about truth. You know, all of a sudden, the mass, you know what I'm talking about? When you have a problem, it just seems like it's weighing you down. You have the weight of the world on your shoulders. That's mass. All of a sudden, it's gone. We say it, it blows, right? And the light bulbs are going off and you, and you discover the truth. That's what happens when you discover the truth. Suddenly, the problem starts to solve. Simple. So back to our problem with the employee, you have instantly established a lie that is going to give you a problem from here on out. This guy has bad intentions, and you're going to tell him what's what. And you wonder why no one seems to be winning in this game. You don't win. He doesn't win. The whole office is, is interbulated now. And yet you've been tough. And Hubbard says you need to be tough. And I'm going to be tough, damn it. I'm going to be tough. Maybe you have your tough a little mixed up. So he goes on in this lecture to say this. Now, where one or another of us have been injured by somebody else, which is inevitably true, human beings step on other human beings' toes. And you cannot be right and be human. Somebody gets his toes stepped on. See that? Somebody plays it just a little bit too hard, his anxiety or something of the sort, To do this or that or produce an effect causes him to play the game just a little too far, something of the sort. So that's a quote from Mr. Hubbard. So now you've got an employee and he's trying hard. He, you know, he wants to get his statistics up. He wants to please everybody. He's trying to get a bonus. He's got a family at home. And so he cuts a weird deal with the prospect. He's a salesman and he does, he he violates the policy of the group. He does something a little bit, uh, Evil, maybe even even legal, you know, and it's he's actually jeopardizing the company, but he's trying. You don't know what his reality is particularly. And uh, as Mr. Hubbard says, and somebody gets his toes stepped on. The basic thing that has happened there is that somebody trying too hard will step on somebody else's toes. That's what happens. Human relations get in the road of the best of intentions one way or the other. Somebody to some slight degree gets hurt. The thing to do in such a circumstance is to do what you can to patch up the guy that got hurt. So back to our sales example, you know, uh, the prospect, the customer bought the objects, you know, or the the services or whatever it was and was misled by the salesman. Well, they got hurt. Well, we should patch that up, don't we? I mean, we're going to have to do that, aren't we? But what about the other guy? What about the salesman? Let's give him hell, you know. Wait a second, though. Why did he resort to this? What is he trying to achieve? What are his actual intentions? Well, we know what his intentions are. His intentions are he's going to line his pockets with cash. He's greedy. He's this. He's that. He's got all these bad intentions. Great. You go in there and deal with that individual with this tough perspective. And guess what? You're going to get absolutely nowhere. Absolutely nowhere, except you'll probably end up firing the guy. Right? And you might be losing a valuable resource. Right. Mr. Hubbard here cites uh, as an example a court case between a plaintiff and a defendant. And he says uh, he's talking about the usual pattern of just each being convinced that the other has a certain intention. And of course, this lie leads to a complete lack of understanding and a complete lack of resolution. And these things go on. These court cases go on and on and on. And nobody wins. 
He also talks about war. Nobody wins in a war, right? Everybody's, you know, involved. Everybody that's involved is certain that the other person has a, a certain intention, a certain goal, a vicious, what ends up being a lie. And of course, nothing then gets resolved. So he says, and he's talking about the court case now. He says here, quote, they should join hands in doing something to straighten out the situation for the plaintiff, because if the plaintiff is casting himself in the role of the plaintiff, the least thing that is wrong with him is that he needs a little more ability to handle his own sphere of action. That's the least thing there. But that certainly would be in a little bit in error, wouldn't it? Hmm? So, so in other words, he's saying here, the plaintiff, he's got a complaint. He's been hurt. As far as he's concerned, he's a victim. Maybe there's... Maybe it's not as big a deal as the guy's making it out to be. Maybe this, maybe that. But the least we can say is this guy has an inability to handle a situation. That we can establish. So why don't we fix it? So he goes on to say this. Now, of course, he's referring to people in this lecture. He's referring to people who are quite advanced in their study of the knowledge that makes up Harvard Management System, right? But he says here, so any way we look at it, the most sensible thing to do would be to give the plaintiff a hand. This guy says he's been hurt. He's screaming to I heaven. Let's try and give him a hand. From this viewpoint, at least, says Mr. Hubbard here, from this viewpoint, at least, something bad has happened. People then should just simply say, the friends of this person and enemies alike, simply should get together and say, well, let's see, how can we straighten this out? I think the best thing to do would be to back up the truck and get it off of her leg. Get the idea? <laughs> He's using the example of a truck on the person's leg. He says, it'll serve no purpose whatsoever standing around the radiator of the truck saying, how seriously is it resting on the leg? And is it really true that you or I were driving the truck? This gets nowhere, you see. Let's back the truck up off the leg. Let's straighten them up. That is workable. That does work. And I'm only interested in the workables. End quote. Now listen to this next paragraph. Very, very interesting. He says, but we find ourselves a little bit different than human. You know, you're going to find this. The more knowledge you acquire, the more wisdom you acquire, you're going to find yourself a little bit different than human. So he says, but we find ourselves a little bit different than human and that we have a possibility of understanding even the fact that we are human. And if we understand that, if we understand that, we can then do something about it. The most, listen to this. This is such an incredible datum. The most valuable asset we have actually is our ability to understand, to do the right thing, to be kind, to be decent. L. Ron Hubbard. Isn't, isn't that... Do you ever think about that? I know this is not necessarily something that I think of all the time, personally. What is our greatest asset? What is our most valuable asset? Those of us who have studied the Hubbard Management System, those who have studied Mr. Hubbard's works, what is our most valuable asset? The ability to understand, to do the right thing, to be kind, to be decent. All that kindness and decency, the ability to do the right thing, where does that stem from? It stems from our understanding. So if we have a problem, if someone's having a problem, if there is a problem, if we're having a problem in the business, what's our greatest, most valuable asset? Let's understand it. Well, you're not going to understand it if you're going to tackle it with this 
predisposed idea that the other guy is evil, out to do everybody in, is this, is that, you know, is a criminal, all these various concepts that we can approach a problem with right there. You are not going to understand it. So you may think you're being tough, but you're not. You're being ignorant. You're being stupid. So then he goes on to say here, quote, Amongst us, we have occasionally the feeling like life requires that we be stern. Life requires that we be ornery enough and mean enough to fire him. Life requires that we've got to tell this person the next time we come that she must go. She must leave. She must never darken our door again. Life requires that. We must be stern. We must be mean. We must occasionally be ornery, and we must steel ourselves to take an unkind action. And we feel sometimes, this is Mr. Howard's words, and we feel sometimes there's something wanting in us because we refuse to take this unkind action. We feel we are being cowardly. You know, you, you've been in this situation. I ought to, I ought to blow his head off. I ought to do this. I ought to do that. I ought to, you know, take some drastic action, you know, and then we don't. What's backing us off? He says here, Mr. Herbert says here, and we feel sometimes there's something wanting in us because we refuse to take this unkind action. We feel we are being cowardly. Now we are ducking back from our responsibilities. We feel the best way to solve the thing would be to be a little bit mean about it. Get the idea? We should be able to be tough. And then he goes on to say this. Listen to this. So beautiful. He says, that's the darndest trap there is. That is weakness. It's a weakness. We are saying we should be able to be weak. That's what he says you're saying. When you feel like you ought to do that, you ought to, you ought to deck the guy. You ought to do this. You've got this fixed idea of their intention, you know what it is, but it's a lie and everything's persisting and it's interbulated and it's a mess. And we ought to do this. And we feel maybe, why, why am I not doing this? I ought to do this. I ought to, I ought to get fierce. I ought to get mean. That's a statement that he says here, that's the darndest trap there is. That is a weakness. It's a weakness. We are saying we should be able to be weak. And then he says, I love this. He says, our strength does not lie in our ability to be tough our ability to face up to it, our ability to say sternly to this person, go, never darken this door again, you see? We've actually got to fall way downhill to do this. And somehow or other, life nags at us and says, we must be tough. We must shave up to it. We must grit our teeth and learn to be mean to people. If we can't be sufficiently mean to people, we'll just never get along. L. Ron Hubbard. He goes on to say this, ever have that feeling? It's the most weak thing you can do. It bears out this way. Interestingly, if you want to observe it and get some more data on it, I invite you to do so. There's never any necessity to be mean to anybody. This is Mr. Hubbard. He goes on to say, this is just fantastic. The weak, unworkable thing to do is to get tough and to get ornery, you know, and to steal yourself into it. That's very weak. Because we're trying to ape the fellow who can do nothing else. We're trying to ape the nation that can only solve its diplomatic problems by indulging in war. And if you can show me a nation that ever won a war, 
If you can ever show me a war that was ever won by everybody, why, then I am willing to lay aside the statement that being tough and stealing ourselves and being mean will ever be necessary. It's never necessary. And I'll only be willing to say that it is sometimes necessary if you can show me a war that has been won by everybody. No war ever has been won, even by the, quote, victor, end quote. The victor usually wins the right to feed the enemy for a while. The oddity is that we nag ourselves about this, and we sometimes hold ourselves in a state of inaction because we think the situation requires that we be, you know, tough about it, that we brace up to it somehow, that we really do finally, cruelly, and coldly tell this person off. Get the idea? And so our kind impulse is muffled by the fact that we, quote, know, end quote, we had certainly better tell this person off. And the actual result of this, quite ordinarily, is inaction. There's no action of any kind undertaken to resolve the situation. I, I, I don't know how many times, these are Mr. Edwards' words now, and these are mine here that I'm just giving you an example. I don't know how many times I talk to members who are so PO'd and annoyed and angry with employees, and I ask, why are you holding on to them then? This could go on for years, months or years, where they will literally keep telling me about how bad their office manager is or their associate is or their partner is or whatever, and they, there's no action. There's inaction. Why? Because they have this idea, i got to get tough with this person. i gotta, I got to be forceful. And Mr. Hubbard is saying here, there is no action of any kind undertaken to resolve the situation because we know we should resolve it by being tough. And our own kind hearts won't let us do so. So we do nothing. And then he says this, and I'm going to wrap this up with this statement. And there's a lot more in this lecture, but he says, Well, I hate to unsettle a very stable datum if it does unsettle it. But the only way anything ever does resolve is by letting your own kind heart reach through. That's the only way it ever does solve. And it never solves by being tough. So there you go. A whole different concept of toughness from Mr. Hubbard. True toughness. The willingness to let your own kind heart reach through. The willingness to understand, the willingness to communicate, the willingness to duplicate what is the situation with this other person. What are they going through? Where are they at? And that takes understanding, which takes, of course, affinity, reality, communication. You've you got to get in communication about it. You've got to understand it. Get more idea of that reality. And then build up that affinity. And then let's see if something can't be done about it. I have observed some tremendously effective leaders. You could never say they aren't tough as nails, but their ability to duplicate, communicate, understand the other person is unparalleled. And so those people who work for them will do anything for them, will lay down their lives for them. Why? Because that person duplicates them. That person has ARC with them. Affinity, reality, communication understands them. And you're never going to create understanding. If you go into a situation or you treat your individuals that are working with you or even people above you or anybody in personal relations with this 
fixed idea, this certainty that they are bad or that they have evil intentions and therefore you must be tough and brutal with them. All you're going to get is conflict. All you're going to get is interbulation. All you're going to get is persistence. I want to give a little shout out to my wonderful mother-in-law who passed away not, not that long ago. And uh, I was at her service and my brother-in-law had some kind words to say and about her, of course, as we all did. And she was a wonderful woman and she was tough. She was tough. And he describes this moment when he uh, mouthed off to her. You know, he was probably in his early teens or tweens, maybe 13 or so, 14, and, you know, feeling pretty strong and cocky and quick and gave his mother a piece of his mind. And then she went, reached for the drawer where the paddle was, and uh, he took off, knowing confidently that, of course, he can outrun his mother and so on. And he couldn't believe it that she came storming after him, caught him, washed out his mouth with soap, and he learned his lesson. And, of course, he's an outstanding individual, he's helped many, many people today and learned these lessons from a mother who was tough but loved him and duplicated him and cared about him enough to be truly tough through all of her actions was a knowingness that, of course, this is her son and he's going to grow up and be a fine, strong, young individual, and he did. So, you know, toughness has its place, but it is true toughness is being willing to duplicate and understand the other person for real and take effective action to help them. And there you go. So uh, that's it for this week's episode of Business Wise. I hope you learned something, took something away from this. And let's all be tough. You got to be tough, but understand what true toughness is and that your greatest, your most valuable asset, as Mr. Hubbard says, is actually is our ability to understand, to do the right thing, to be kind, to be decent. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. And I will talk to you again next week. Uh, we'll do another episode on just dealing with people. I just thought we might do a few episodes on this and see if this is helpful to you. Write us at info at yzstress.org if you'd like uh, to give us any kind of feedback. We love hearing from you. Uh, give us a like if you liked what you learned. And also, by all means, leave a comment. Thank you for listening.